Welcome to Work is Calling, where we will learn the experiences and insights of business leaders who see their careers as a calling from God. What is important about seeing your career as a calling? Work is fulfilling whenever we sense success, but let's face it, success can and usually is fleeting. What if instead of targeting success, we seek fulfillment? A sense of calling makes serving God your purpose. That shift can actually lead you to a sense of fulfillment regardless of success. Let's listen to the stories of those who have made the shift and have experienced this. Well, hello. Welcome to Work is Calling. My name is Wayne Kuna, the founder and president of Soul Priority. That's a ministry that coaches women and men how to transform their careers through biblical principles, basically bringing your faith to work. So today's guest is a friend of mine. His name is Hal Metzger. Hal and I have known each other for about, I don't know, eight or ten years. Uh, He participates in a Soul Priority group here in Elmhurst, and that's a western suburb of Chicago. Uh, I know him to be a creative and a talented guy who has followed his faith actually halfway around the world, and I guess we'll get to hear some of that. Uh, I hope we all get to know him a little more as we listen to his background and his story of work as his calling from God. Hell, which wasn't what I always used to call you for some reason. (laughs) Welcome to Work is Calling. We're glad that you agreed to be with us. Oh, I'm so pleased to be here. It's an honor. Yeah, you know, the reason I said, um, I can't remember exactly how I said it, but for the longest time, Hal let me call him Mel. I just was completely clueless. I don't know, somewhere around Mel got into Hal, and you just never said anything. It just went so long, I just didn't know how to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez, anyway. And now it's my nickname in our group. (laughs) Yeah. So, Hal, Work is Calling begins Mm -hmm. uh, by getting to know you a little bit. Give us a little of your background. Tell us about your family. Uh, let's give our listeners a peek at who you are and uh, as a bit of an introduction so that they can uh, listen as acquaintances instead of strangers. Well, my wife and I, Sandra, have been married for just about 50 years now. We have seven Woo! seven children. Whoa. Six of them are married. And we have 15 grandchildren and number 16 on the way. And we endeavored to bring our children up in the ways of the Lord, and to know Him, and to serve Him. And I'm happy to say that most of them are following the Lord. And the grandchildren now are our responsibility to pass on to this generation our faith. And I I read something interesting recently that in the current generations, most of the faith now, you know, is being passed on by grandparents. Very interesting. So we, interesting. we take that we take that seriously. So we, do you line them all seventeen of them up, or how do you do that? <laughs> I just look at photographs and try to remember their names. <laughs> oh man! But Sandy's great. She knows every all the details. You know, it's like you know you have friends that know all the stats in the NBA. She knows all our ch- grandchildren's stats, even the kids. I don't know. I'm doing good to know the birthdays, not the years. But she knows all the vital statistics and the hour that they were born and all that cool stuff. Yeah, so actually uh, you guys have uh, gone through a couple journeys together as far as your health. Yes, we have. We uh, we had the great honor from the Lord to, to be missionaries uh, since the year 2000, and it was uh, part-time to begin with, and then we ended up living over there for 10 years. And then when I got home, 
This was right before COVID. We were planning on going back. And I went to have a physical, and I found out that I had prostate cancer. So uh, thank God that it's almost to the cancer-free state. And my wife, a year later, we found out she she had um, pancreatic cancer, stage 4. And the Lord has been so good. Uh, she actually qualified for the surgery to have the tail of her pancreas removed, and she went through two regimens of very ex- uh, intensive chemo. The, uh, they say it's the worst in all, all cancer. And um, anyway, she's doing great. She's been off chemo for a year. She feels very good. She swims a mile a day. And the cancer, uh, unlike aggressive stage 4 pancreatic cancer, her cancer is now stable. There's only a little bit in the left lung, a few nodules, and they're not doing anything. They're not growing. So we praise God for that. Wow, that's a, that's a huge um, trial, I guess you call it. Yeah. Yeah, so. it, it's it's been faith building and just trusting God and uh, it's been the opportunity to share our, our testimonies with many people and doctors. So um, are you the jack of all trades to keep all those grandkids happy? I mean, do you do a lot of different things? What are, what are, some, what are some of the things that you uh, do to uh, fill your time? Well, one of the things that I enjoy is I build little intricate little projects with the kids. Uh, with the girls, we're building many doll houses that you actually have to use tweezers. <laughs> it's just <laughs> insane, but they just love them. And there's there's lighting in them that we wire them up and all that. And with the boys, uh, I get these little micro machines and things, and mm-hmm. I build them with them. And uh, and that's that's one of the things I enjoy doing with the grandchildren. When you're engaging with them in these projects, you know, you can talk about other things, and you're right there. They're right by your side. And then all of our kids, uh, a lot of the grandchildren, the older ones are all in sports. So we try to make the rounds to the soccer games, the baseball games, the swimming meets. And, and then there's the piano recitals and the band, the band (laughs) concerts and all these things. So it's very busy Wayne, but we love it. Yeah. So let me ask you, how would you describe yourself? And then after you get that, how would Sandy describe you? (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm a a very uh, involved kind of person. Uh, I'm always doing something. I, I'm an avid reader. I always have like about five books going at one time. And uh, uh, I do like my own time to myself. And I, uh, but I'm I'm an extrovert. I was in sales and marketing in my career, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So I, I love people, enjoy people, look for opportunities to share Jesus with people. So that's me. Anything on your bucket list that uh, you haven't done yet? The bucket, the famous bucket list. No, yeah. I, I uh, we've got very good friends uh, in New Zealand, and that's on my bucket list. We'd really like to go to New Zealand and see that beautiful country. Yeah, my son just came back from there. Actually. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he uh, one of the highlights in New Zealand was actually the Hobbiton. I know. Yeah, he thought it would just be like oh, a tourist attraction, but they, everybody loved it. I've seen the pictures and some of his too, and it's just, it's very inviting, you know, because I, I love Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings and read them all to our children when they were little and seen all the movies. So, yeah, that's cool. 
Well, as long as we're in the arts, uh, is there, is there, you said you love the Tolkien books. Did you like the movies? Is there a movie that you particularly like? Or you know, talk about, um, talk about uh, your music genre that you like. I, I primarily like classical music. My mother was a music major, a piano, and uh, so I, I grew up with a lot of classical music, and that's uh, kind of you know what I gravitate to. I do like gospel music and a little bit of uh, country and western, as long as it's not kinky, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, that's my music. Yeah, so uh, I, I know you're you're an art artist. Yeah, I've, uh, I had to write a bio, f- because I'm teaching art now, so I had to write a bio from an art teaching perspective. And yeah, I, I, I said, you know, since I was a young boy, uh, I was just painting and drawing, and uh, my mother t- took me down when I was young to the Art Institute in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I was growing up as a child. And uh, they said, oh, oh, your son's got some talent here, you know. And so, yeah, I've, uh, I've gravitated to painting, drawing, and I now do it for pleasure and give it all away, just as gifts. And people are going, oh, my goodness, you know, I frame them and... People are so taken back. I go, no, no, it's a gift that God's given me, and this is easy for me. So uh, here, just enjoy it. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm the kind of artist that you kind of know what I was probably trying to draw, <laughs> you know, and people go, oh, that's really nice, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, or, oh, Wayne, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you have it upside down. You turn it upside down, yeah. yeah. So uh, let me ask you about spiritual things. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some people have life verses or, you know, some passage of Scripture that really resonates, uh, you know, in their heart. Maybe it's a parable or a story. Is there something like that for you that really like, wow, that just means it's, it's, extra? It's in the epistles. I, uh, you know, I should know the verse because, you know, you're asking me the verse. <laughs> but it's the one where we're compelled by the love of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of my life verse of being compelled by the Holy Spirit uh, in different ways that will advance his kingdom, be able to share the gospel in different ways, and just compelled by his love to love others in the same way that we would share the truth with them. Yeah, do, do, do you know how that uh, compelling sense uh, happens in you? Is it... Uh... Is it a compassion? Is it mercy? Is it, uh, you know, a, just a sense of Christ saying, that's the person you need? Well, I mean, what does that look like it, for you? It's, it's primarily uh, a passion. It's not, you know, compassion is part of it, of course, for people. I'm a people person. I care about people, and um, they just need Jesus. So uh, it's a compelling in that regard, and it's uh, it has all the emotions tied into it. And it's kind of an unction type of thing uh, where you feel led very strongly in some area to to do something uh, for the Lord in obedience to him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's your favorite thing about Jesus? The thing I love about Jesus is that he was so human. Hmm. You know, this incarnate God in human form... uh, truly was God in every sense. Uh, he carried, you know, the Father and Him are totally one. But He was so human that 
that God in Christ would actually become a human being. But more than that is relating to us as a human being, and we see him in his human form. And God knew that that's how we could we could relate to him and understand him through Jesus, not only for our salvation and our redemption, but just on a basic human level, uh, he's so real to us. Mm, yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. So uh, let me ask you, uh, as far as your passions go, what brings tears to your eyes? Is it a, is it a joyful thing? Is it a sad thing? Uh, what, what brings tears to my eyes in a joyful sense is seeing my our seven children and their spouses loving each other, and then seeing our grandchildren uh, come to a knowledge of the Lord and expressing it when they get to a certain age. That those are things that bring tears to my eyes, tears of joy, uh, tears of of sorrow will come upon hearing of the passing of a dear friend that I was so concerned about uh, them not knowing Christ. And uh, those are the kind of things that bring tears to my eyes, Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Is there, I mean, I, I know you to be a pretty affable guy. You get along with just about everybody. I mean, you get along with me, so I'm pretty, you know. <laughs> um, but does, does anything make you, like, angry? Just, you know, clench your fist and say, oh. I, I'm I'm pretty calm uh, person, and... You know, I'm not easily rattled, but my anger is really at myself. I, I most of my anger is directed at just Hal Metzger, just like, oh, what a fool, you idiot, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I'm glad that it it manifests itself towards me and not like towards my wife or to other people. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's an interesting way that in my own life that anger is dealt with. Yeah, we'll have to have another podcast where we can talk about what it is specifically. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's part of that. You you've heard many teachings on you have to forgive yourself. You know, yeah, yeah. God forgave you, so you need to forgive yourself, and it's it's that's part of the whole thing. Well, listen, we really appreciate you taking a moment to to kind of open up and uh, let us see behind the curtain who Hal Metzger is. We're going to take a break now before moving on to why and how you've come to see your work as a calling. And we'll be right back after this uh, short announcement. Work is Calling is a ministry of soul priority that coaches women and men of faith to transform their careers and workplaces with biblical principles and the book Work in the Light that highlights why God created work, shepherd leadership, workplace culture, and the vital importance of a singular God priority. You can find out more about Soul Priority at www.soul-priority.org. That's www.soul-priority.org. Now, back to today's podcast. Well, well, welcome back, everybody. Now that we learned a little bit about you, Hal, uh, let's find out how and why you see work as a calling. So, I know you've had pretty diverse career course or journey. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? What were some of your things that you've done and your responsibilities? Okay. Um, it's interesting because I was saved in 1972, which was kind of in the middle of the 
Jesus movement revival in America. And I had some very well-meaning pastors who were mentoring me, actually, really encouraged me very strongly to go to Bible school or seminary at that time. I'd already had finished my my BA degree. And uh, I just felt strongly that that's not the way God was leading me. I, I prayed about that, and I felt going into a career was what God had for me, even though uh, going that other way that they were encouraging me to go was... Uh, you know, was tempting. And I've, um, so I've been an architect and I've uh, been a business leader and uh, sales and marketing vice president of several, several corporations. I taught in Chinese universities, marketing and branding. And, uh, so yes, I've, uh, I've had a very blessed career and very, very, uh, diverse now how did you go from one thing to another was it uh i mean do you feel that there was a leading in that there was was there a plan behind that or was it like well i just lost my job or i want to do something else or you know wayne i never looked for a job uh jobs came to me and i enjoyed architecture i graduated in architecture and uh i was working for a big firm in chicago and uh, the oil embargo happened in the early 70s and just, just killed architecture for almost a decade. And at that time, I decided I would venture out and transition you know, into, into graphic design, commercial art, uh, which I always ha- had an interest in. So I did that. I worked for several agencies. I was an art director. And then that segued into one of my customers hired me uh, to be his marketing manager, and that started me into the corporate realm of of marketing, sales and marketing. So <clears throat> let me ask you, and we'll get to the, the meat of the whole discussion here. What's the story behind you viewing your career as more than a job, you know, as a calling from God? Was it a person, or was it kind of a, a sudden event, like an epiphany, or was there a slow transition that just welled up inside of you and you said, you know, this is uh, God put me here? Well, early on, uh, whether it was the architectural firm or some of the companies I worked for, uh, there were always opportunities in these situations to uh, not only trust God, but to share my faith and to share the gospel. So it was kind of a gradual thing. It wasn't, uh, you know, a lightning bolt type of an awakening. But I, since I had made that decision not to pursue full-time ministry, uh, and go to seminary or something like that, you know, I knew that, that God had doors that he would open for me in the workplace, and he did in many, many ways. Is there a special story that kind of uh, highlights uh, a door swinging open for you that you maybe didn't even know was there? Yes, uh, it's it's an interesting door. Um, at one company I was w- working for, I always asked the Lord to lead me in the early days of a new employment, to find who the Christians were. And he always faithfully did that. And then we could, we could start a Bible study. We could go out to lunch and, and invite some other people to share our faith in, in those kind of contexts. And so for one company I was working for, a privately held company that was pretty large, the owner was out of town, and uh, he 
he was a cool guy. He said, you know, I'm moving out of town because if I stay here, I'll destroy my own company. Kind of a neat guy. So anyway, he had an apartment in our, in our office, in our offices. And so one day I, we were having a Bible study in the cafeteria and we all had our Bibles out and he was in town in, in the apartment and he came in and I thought he was going to explode. He was like just kind of almost shaking. And I go, oh, wow, he's either really upset about this or whatever. And he goes, Metzger, what, what are you guys doing over there? And I, I said, oh, oh, Mr. Osmond, uh, we're, we're having a, a Bible study. And he, he came over and he goes, he, he was almost crying, Wayne. And he says, you just don't know how happy this makes me that this is happening in my company. And so I share that, you know, you asked about a door opening or whatever. That kind of opened the door in my relationship with him and, and what we were doing in that company. And, and it opened the door uh, with other people in the, in the company. And, uh, and it's a very memorable thing for me. Yeah, you know, not just there, that one open door. I'm really intrigued to hear, you know, how you got led, you know, through, not only through different jobs, you know, as a person who said, no, I'm not going to seminary. But halfway around the world, I, you know, tell me, tell us some of the story behind that. And, and how did you experience God's presence and direction in, 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 you know, not only getting there, but once you're there, I, and I know it's sensitive how much you can probably say, but, uh, yeah, how do you know God was involved in that? Well, at that time... Um we were involved in a ministry at our church to international students, picked them up every Sunday. We gave them a Bible class that I primarily taught, and we did activities for them, all for the sake of the gospel. So I, I thought, this is so interesting to be led to be a missionary to the Communist Party members, you know? And then um, at that time, my career, uh, I, w- I had there was a startup that I was asked to be involved in. And it, it, it was actually becoming very successful. We, we, we were heading towards a million dollars in like less than two years of sales. And we needed about $700,000 simply to break even. And then they spun the company off, the other principal owners, and it was an acquisition. And I was without a job. And so then for about six months, uh, I networked because I was a networking fiend. And uh, I tried to get so many things going and and talk about open doors before. All the doors were shutting. And my wife was just amazed to watch me working so hard, you know, to find the direction in my career. And that was because the Lord was leading us. And finally, it just dawned on me. That's what God wants. And so we... I made the first trip in 2001, and what's so interesting is when I got over there, not just teaching in the universities, marketing and branding, which I was a specialist in, but at the university, the president asked me to lead a brainstorming, American-style brainstorming session with their faculty. It was just incredible. And then I was invited to another city to speak at a small business incubator. So these kind of doors were opening as I, we were 
teaching there, I was, and my wife was by my side. And she was coming and going because we, the seven children, our, our youngest were, some of our youngest were still at home. We were homeschooling. So we brought the younger ones with us many times. But another thing is I met a guy over there, uh, a fine Christian guy that had a Christian business person's organization in five cities. And I was able to go to a couple of those cities and actually, uh, you know, give an address and, and give a message and encourage these people in China to run their businesses in a Christian way that's honoring to God and has high integrity and this type of thing. And so there was many opportunities that opened up for us in China. Did you ever have um, big one-on-one moments with uh, a person, one of your students, uh, maybe a faculty member? There were, there were, I've, I had over, almost 500 students in two different universities. And, uh, yeah, there, we, there was a lot of times that, you know, I'd go out to dinner and my wife and I would go out to dinner with a couple students and it, it led to, to a deep sharing of our faith. And then with faculty, uh, we had some, some opportunities. In fact, one of the faculty members I'm still in touch with, uh, when I showed up uh, and was shown where my office was, my desk, and uh, she came over and said, are you a believer? You know, And I said, oh, yes, definitely, and I, I take it you are as well. So uh, my wife and I are still very, very close friends with her to this day. So, yeah, that, there are a lot of those kinds of opportunities. So I ask uh, people when they talk about bringing their faith to the workplace, if they get any pushback from, you know, their colleagues or maybe the the boss. And you talked a little bit about that. But, my goodness, uh, did you get pushback? I mean, did you ever get warned or was there – or do you do – you, I mean, what, what's your we, experience? We walked a very fine line, Wayne. Here we were. We were really underground missionaries. I was teaching in universities. Uh, they trusted me. Uh, when we started the jobs with the universities, you know, they sat down and said, uh, there's no sharing of your faith, and they, they read all the guidelines like that, except uh, one-on-one you can share your life with people. So, of course, that's, that's one-on-one evangelism. I mean, that's a principal way of evangelism anyway. Um, we... We were warned from time to time. We never got involved. Uh, like, for example, uh, some of my students were going to an underground church in the city we were in, and they said, oh, teacher, they, they call you teacher over there. It's a high honor to be called teacher. They go, oh, teacher, can you, can you come to our church with us, and can you teach sometimes in our Bible study? And I go, you know, I would love to do that, but here in this city, I can't be involved with those kind of activities because actually, you know, we were monitored. So that's a that's a fast exit out of the country, <laughs> you know. But we did involve, you know, I was involved with teaching in some some underground seminaries that were hidden. Was asked to do that and and other other things like that. And then these meetings were interesting that I mentioned before. These uh, Christian business people meetings and uh, to really help these people to trust the Lord with their business. So, um, 
Actually, Wayne, I forgot what the original question yeah, was. Yeah, you know, <laughs> as you're talking about this, I, yeah. I, I really got into, I get into old books. Mm-hmm. And one of the old books that I read was the uh, Journal of Marco Polo. Oh, yeah. And in that journal, it's very interesting because the Genghis Khan right. uh, was very intrigued with Christianity. Yes, he, he was. He thought that uh, his opinion was that they were the weakest of his people because they were so humble. Mm-hmm. But they were the best of his citizens because they worked so hard and they were so faithful and so honest. Um, is is there any sense of that? Yes, there's a strong sense of that. We experienced that. We had the good fortune of traveling uh, all over the country um, during holidays. And even on the weekends, I didn't travel that far, but I could get around a couple provinces where we were located. They have to tow you know, the party line, so to speak. But I've heard them actually say, and I've I've been in the presence of some of these types of leaders, and they say that the Christians in our city are the best people we have. And, you know, we're going to take care of them. Well, well. Yeah. Now, that's not every, that no, depends. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this question. What fuels you to keep? I mean, you know, you're you're outside of your your network. You said you're a networking fiend, but you know, the church network isn't there. Your neighbor network isn't there. Your friend network isn't there. Your business network isn't there. I mean, how how did you keep yourself in, energized or engaged? Uh, a lot of seeking the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Seeking the it, Lord. It just means to actually sometimes just getting on your face before God, getting on the floor, putting putting a towel down and just getting before God and and just crying out to him. There's so many needs in that country. It's, it's, it's like if you're not, you know, being led by the Spirit and being filled by the Spirit and trusting God in a situation like that, because of the burdens and because of so many millions, you know, a billion people. So, yeah, that's, uh, it's, that's the important part. And there is... Um, my wife, you know, she uh, she was in the orphanages. She was in one state-run orphanage. They don't let any foreigners in there except maybe in the lobby. And she actually lived there with the kids and lived in the dormitory with the girls. And those kinds of things God opened up for us. And so through those connections, and then in that, like for the example, in that orphanage, there were Christian workers there that my wife connected with. And then when I went to that orphanage, I was like a celebrity because I was Sandy's husband. You know, he's here. <laughs> yeah. So the Lord, uh, and, and, and my work here in America, you know, I did a lot of networking and all that. And a lot of it was just in my own strength, probably, you know, trusting God as best I could. But a lot of it was just in my own abilities. But over there, you know, you have to rely on the Lord. And he, he just opened up so many doors in that regard all over. And people wanted to meet me. I, I mean, I made contacts with 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 other professors, and uh, so it, it was just such a blessing in that regard. So, is, are there like maybe three things? You know, you take all of your experience that mm-hmm. you have, you know, with work is calling, whether it's here in the states or overseas. And are there three things that you would tell someone here in America who's a follower of Christ? Or maybe you know wants to be a follower of Christ in the workplace wants to wants mm-hmm. to um, 
be known as a follower of Christ in the workplace, what what three things would you tell them? You know, are there like, um, yeah, either tips mm-hmm. or practices, uh, yeah. you know, spiritual practices, yes. or something? What, what? what I would say is, first of all, be good at what you're doing. Be an example that you're a diligent worker. Whatever your responsibility is in the workplace, make sure that, that that's a priority because people are watching you as a Christian. Number two, know that God has called you to that specific place and that he has, it may be different branches of that company, different factories, different places, but he has his people in that organization. And he's going to want to, by the Holy Spirit, to to make connections with you and some of those people. Just have confidence in that. And finally, be aware that God is working in the hearts of people right around you, and he will lead you to those people, those needy people who need the gospel. They're they're there. You know, you talked about pushback before. There's always going to be pushback against us as Christians, but there's those people that the Lord is working in their hearts. They may be in a desperate situation, and God, God will lead you to those situations. Those are the three things. First, be diligent and be a good worker. Second, know God has called you there and that he's got his people there. And third, there's needy people there that he wants you to reach. Yeah, that, that first point uh, in Oz Guinness's book, The Calling, mm-hmm. or The Call, he, said, he talks about the value of a work well done. I love Oz Guinness, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's awesome. Hey, so let me ask you this uh, question on behalf of everybody, too. Was there ever a time when, you you know, you realized fully that, wow, you know, God had me with this person or with this group of people, and, you know, I'm I'm working here, and and there's this, you know, sense of fulfillment? But have you ever sensed that what you were doing was actually worship? Boy, that that's a that's a great question, Rain. Because our life is to be worship, and we lose sight of that, the worship aspect of our lives to be on the altar, worshiping God, and in work, work is worship. That's a very interesting concept. And I, yes, I did have that sense, you know, a, a few rare times that it was a it was a, a form of worshiping the Lord, the calling, because you know the. Work, work was, you know, Adam was like cursed with work, but for the Christian, it's a blessing. You know, if we're not a believer, then work can still be a curse. And so because it's a blessing and given to us for, from God, it's something that also in the realm of worship, uh, it should enter into that, that important realm. So that's that. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that one of the, the unique things that I discovered was um, the sense that that God? It's kind of like Eric Little. When mm-hmm. I run, I feel his pleasure. We just you know? watched that movie again. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah when fire. I run, yeah. I feel his pleasure. Yeah, yeah I know. Beautiful. It's like when I created toys, I felt his oh, ple- yes. pleasure. Yes. You know, I I I remember there was, you know, unfortunately when I was a pastor, it wasn't every sermon, but there were sermons when I just said, oh, and I came away, I was like, I just felt, I felt, you know, there was a time you were in awe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was like there was something unique. God just lets yeah. you experience some of his almost like kind of glory. Right. It's so far beyond you. Yeah. It was like, 
okay, God just opened up an oppor- uh, something in me that allowed me to experience what I normally wouldn't be able to experience. It was just, yes. We're just, just to be willing vessels, Wayne. That's uh, it. So um, <clears throat> you've talked about uh, the networking thing. By the way, I have to say that that happened with us and mm-hmm. uh, with me in the toy industry. Yeah. That God led um, us to people all over the industry who are followers of Christ. And, yes. and so often it was in, you know, not only just in like, you know, like in a, in a orchestra, there's like a million violinists, you know, but there's only like one or two trumpet players, right. you know, because they make a lot of noise. But um, yeah, there was people in both. I mean, there were people that were just among the, the milieu of all these designers. And then there were people who were really decision makers that were, you know, followers of Christ and how quietly they influenced yeah uh, whole companies big companies global companies i saw that in several industries i was involved with in fact all the industries that i was involved with the same type of thing yeah and and uh, for the most part highly respected people right because of the first thing that you talked about they did their work well right they worked they worked hard too you know they didn't like oh five o'clock see ya <laughs> <laughs> oh i hated that i mean i guess the opposite Example of that was in one company. Uh, I had a you know a guy came in as like a CEO, a real nice guy. Okay, strong Christian, but he immediately put a picture of Jesus up in his office. Yeah, and boy, you better live up to something like that. Yes, absolutely. You know? And and he he uh, he was a really good guy. He ended up at Wycliffe as. Uh, Bible translators in some capacity of fundraising or something, but he, he had a lot of gifts. But uh, he also, you know, like all of us, had the downside. And some people came to me and said, wow, Mr. Mister M, why is he doing this or that? Because he's got a picture of Jesus in his office. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, you know, uh, that's a beautiful painting, and we all love that picture of Jesus. And, you know, you know, I'm a Christian, and you've come here asking me, how he can do certain things. You can say the same thing about me. I don't have a picture of Jesus in my office, but I, I screw up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, I, for me, one of the best things I ever did was let people know that I follow Christ because they, unlike people in the church, will tell you when you're right. not exactly. following Christ. Exactly. I mean, they they know innately what Christ should look like. That's so amazing. I found the same thing. Yeah. They know. Yeah, it's so, so good. I have a friend, uh, I would love to get on this podcast. He was the uh, president of a, of a medium-sized company here in the Chicago area. And uh, he was interviewing for somebody and um, for, I think, an executive position. And the person asking me says, I understand that uh, you're a Christian and this is a Christian business. Is that true? You know what he said to him? He said, why don't I just hire you and then you tell me? I love that. Isn't that That great? is profound. Isn't that great? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, it, this has been great. I, I hate to cut it down and cut it off, you know, but people are like, oh, man, this is going on for a long time. But, uh, Hal, you know, we always give our guests this opportunity to swing for the fences and just give them the mic, literally. And and if there's one thing that you discern, some some um, uh, something that's been beneficial to you, a bit of advice, wisdom, insight... You know, now's your chance. Take a couple minutes and just... Uh, okay, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I think what I'd like to share with the audience is that the Christian life is a fail-forward life. 
Okay, we're failing all the time. We're still sinning, but we're failing forward as we continue to endeavor to follow Christ and his leading and love him. And so in my own career, I failed a lot. I learned more from my failures than the successes. When I think back at some of the great lessons that God brought to me, it was through failure. It was through a lot of heartache. And so that's what really what I'd like to share is that, you know, we're all in the process of failing forward in the Christian life. And we, we just need to support each other and we need to be patient each other with each other in our, our failings, you know, and not be critical, not be judgmental. And uh, that, that's what I would leave with the audience at this point. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it, Hal. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, taking time to share your story with us and, and with, uh, yeah, the, the folks listening to Work is Calling. So uh, until our next episode, everyone, remember, Work is Calling. This has been another episode of Work is Calling, a ministry of sole priority that coaches women and men of faith how to transform their careers and workplace through biblical principles. You can find out more at www.soul-priority.org. We hope you join us again next time for another interview of an individual who has discovered Work is Calling.